It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and it's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, national headlines in the world of politics and current events, plus uh, some quotes and and my favorite the uh, coveted x-files and uh, we have joining uh, the roundtable regulars today former high-ranking government official from two presidential administrations mark everson will be joining our uh, roundtable regulars flint's premier political pundit paul rosicki on the left and longtime genesee county republican henry hatter on the right, but we have a very special guest coming up in about four minutes or so. Joining me by phone is uh, the author of a new memoir called, let me get this right, um, it is called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. And it's uh, written by. Um, an associate in research at Harvard's Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies and the author of 11 books on China. Um, he's uh, 
from Australia originally, became an American citizen in 1979. Ross Terrell just came out with this uh, memoir recently, and we're going to talk about that. And he's been visiting China almost annually since 1964. So he he knows a great deal about China, and we're going to find out a little bit more about the things that... um, that well the facts and myths about china with uh, an expert on the subject ross terrell joins me uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes also want to mention that um beginning to beginning to come out of the bunker i'm going to be celebrating uh, 4th of July. I'm actually going to do something a little different. I'm going to celebrate 4th of July on the 5th of July, at least as the show is concerned. If uh, 4th of July had fallen on a weekday, the show you will hear on Monday is um, the show I would have put together for for the 4th. On the 4th, I'm going to be cooking on the grill and visiting with uh, a few friends and family. And then next Wednesday is our first face-to-face armchair politics since before the pandemic. Um, we're going to get, uh, I think, uh, Jan Worth Nelson is going to join the roundtable. We'll have Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, and we're going to sit out by the grill on my deck and, and get together in person, which which will be nice for a change. We haven't seen each other uh since before the pandemic, although we do talk every Wednesday by phone. So I hope you'll uh, tune in for that one. It should be, uh, it should have a special kind of energy. And we're going to try, and and that'll actually be sort of the the kickoff to uh, armchair politics post-pandemic. We're going to try and get to some locations uh, around Flint and Genesee County, well, really, maybe even the state, um, over the summer, and uh, and do some remote broadcasts where we can get together in, uh, in person. So um, I hope you'll tune in next Wednesday as well for Armchair Politics and watch for those uh, remote broadcasts. It'd be fun to, to have you drop by. In person, and I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know if we're going to go the White Horse or Good Beans or Totem Books or the State Capitol. I, I don't know wh- where we're going to be yet. I'm, I'm just starting to reach out to people and and explore some locations, and uh, I'll I'll let you know as it gets a little bit closer. But in the meantime, let's get uh, let's get the show rocking today because it is a good one. We have. Uh, as I mentioned, Mark Everson joining our roundtable regulars for Armchair Politics. But first, we're going to talk with uh, Ross Terrell from Harvard about his new memoir, which is uh, called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my, uh, my guest this hour has a... Uh, Ph.D. in political science from Harvard, where he uh, serves as uh, an associate in research at Harvard's Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies, and he is the author of 11 books on China. His new memoir is called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, and I'm talking about uh, 
Ross Terrell, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Ross. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Glad to be here. Now, I, I wanted to try and squeeze into your introduction that you've been visiting China almost annually since 1964. That's true. And that was nearly a decade before then-President Richard Nixon's famous trip to China. Has, it, has, has China changed with regard to um, people visiting China, whether it was probably in the early days, in your case, from Australia, but uh, from the U.S.? It's changed enormously. In the 60s, uh, uh, an American could not go to China and wasn't allowed by Washington to go to China. From Australia, it was difficult, but not impossible. Australia sold wheat to China. That was the one strand of connection between the two countries. But as a young uh, Australian, I had to seek permission from the Australian government to go in 1964. They gave me permission, and off I went, just about penniless. But, Tom, the main point about then was that Mao was still alive, and he hadn't unleashed the Cultural Revolution, this big leftist push that destroyed much in China. So it was a calm, but... uh, rigidly constricted society in 1964. Then after Mao died, uh, Deng Xiaoping, the second big leader of of communist China, he buried Maoism without announcing what he was doing. And he opened the door to foreign uh, trade and uh, later investment so the the Nixon Kissinger opening of seventy one seventy two, which I was also I was involved in, it uh, indirectly paved the change for the better when China became more open and uh, suddenly people could go uh, back and back and forth now. The third phase, which we're in now, is that China's become very successful economically, but it's starting to throw its weight around. Rising powers uh, tend to do that, and China's become the second biggest economy in, in the world, surpassing Japan. All this has happened in the last uh, decade or so. And and we hear about China all the time, but what in the news mostly because of uh, trade relations with China. Um, what are some of the things that we're getting wrong, or or what information are we not getting? Well, uh, first, uh, Americans have never had more information about China than they do today. And Chinese are flocking here to study by the hundreds of thousands. 
proving the attraction of America and the attraction of our best uh, universities and and colleges. But uh, the Chinese, uh, I would liken it, I would call it China Inc. There's no division ultimately between business and politics in China. That's the big problem. Mr. Trump uh, started a long overdue toughening up with China. And he did a bit uh, uh, to balance the trade. However, he, he came up against China Inc. That is to say, a, China, a Chinese company is not free from political influence the way, say, uh, Microsoft or GE. Here they have relations with Washington, but uh, typically they don't take orders. It's a consultative relation. But in China, even if you're Jack Ma, the richest man in China, uh, head of Alibaba, even if you're Jack Ma, they rein you in. They have reined Jack in because he's getting too big. China's very fond of small business, but they're terrified when a small business gets big. Uh, how much is this this notion, um, Ross, of, of China Inc. a direct result of the, the post-Mao uh, cultural revolution? It's not a direct result. Uh, it's it's a direct result of all communist systems. Now, I said Deng Xiaoping uh, buried Maoism. That means he, he buried the idea of class struggle, uh, but he didn't bury Leninism. Leninism is different from Marxism. Leninism... Uh, is about one-party rule. One party dominates every section of society. And the present leader of China, Xi Jinping, has said it out, out loud. The party controls everything. He went to the media uh, and told them that their, their, their last name should end in party because <laughs> they're under the party's control. I mean, this is pretty uh, blatant. However, she says we, we can't have this great progress that we're making. We can't extend it unless we have order. So his, his mantra is order, and he's in charge of of keeping order, this has meant uh, uh, a contraction of freedoms of all kind uh, under Xi. That means over the past eight or nine years. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. The efforts of uh, President Nixon and uh, Henry Kissinger, um, how much did that open China to the West? It was tremendously important, though uh, Henry, who was my teacher when I first came as a student to Harvard from Australia, Henry wasn't very interested in trade and he didn't know much about economics. He uh, was a balance of power man, and, and Nixon was too, and the thing they wanted was to get leverage against the Soviet Union. And uh, China wanted the, the leverage against the Soviet Union too. So that was, that was the nature of the Nixon uh, breakthrough. However, it did uh, open up a new view of China in America. I was on uh, CBS in New York day and night during Nixon's visit, and uh, it was extraordinary, Tom. The people called in. One athlete wanted to run along the Great Wall. Could I help him do that? The Cleveland Museum called up. They wanted exchanges with museums in in China, the Harvard student uh, Orsman wanted to have a, a race along the Mississippi with the, some Chinese uh, student in their canoes. Everyone started to think the Chinese were, were human beings, and uh, uh, trade eventually began, even though Nixon and Kissinger were not mainly concerned with, with trade. Well, these days, and I, maybe I know the answer to this, but um, Donald Trump during his campaign and his presidency and, and others have labeled China the number one threat to the U.S. And, and I, I wonder how it went from those experiences uh, immediately following the Nixon trip to this huge threat where we consider China as uh, suspect in uh, government computer hacking attacks and, uh, and, and other things. Is, is that, that idea that China is the enemy, did that come out of trade or politics? Well, uh, it's a good question, Tom, and the answer is two points which are very different from each other. The, the first point is simply the size of China, 1.4 billion people. You know, we talk about Iran as a threat. Iran... 40 times smaller than China. It's hard to, to credit just how big uh, China is. And 10 million 
people here or 20 million people there is nothing to China. Now, both Australia and Taiwan are being pressured by China at the moment. And if they wanted to legally or otherwise swamp Australia or Taiwan with Chinese people, they'd, they'd transform the country. So size. Now, the second point is that the, the very uh, approach to a semi-market economy, as we all know here, or we should know, produces prosperity. And tentative as it was at first, the size of China plus uh, opening to market forces in the allocation of resources within China and in economic relations with the world. Those two things explain. Of course, uh, a, a rising power uh, worries the present number one power. We're the number one in the United States, and China's rising, and getting closer. I mean, this is history. But by the way, we shouldn't only talk about the rise of China. We should talk about what happens to rises. Well, they can fall. <laughs> and uh, Japan r rose in the 1920s and uh, started to throw their weight around, including bombing my uh, native country, Australia in, in 1941. So uh, they overreached, dramatic fall. Germany did the same thing. The rise of Germany in the 1930s was incredible. Everyone thought uh, that was it. They never talked about uh, how it might end. Now, democracies have had a far better history of rises. When America rose early in the 20th century, Britain was number one, and that change, which was completed uh, by World War II, that change for Britain was relatively calm and peaceful and accepted. The British has had a great influence on the world, their law, their education, uh, their language, and uh, the enmity that once existed between uh, Britain and America was was overcome. So uh, rises don't have to end uh, badly and dramatically, but they they have so far mostly done that when they've been autocracies. When you look back, the Soviet Union <laughs> was a mixed bag. I mean, uh, I think it was amazing that uh, partly through President Reagan's uh, strength and his uh, disdain for communism, how the Soviet Union came to an end without a, a, a major conflagration and it produced a Russia that isn't, isn't entirely to our taste but uh, the, the, the 
component parts of the Soviet Union, Tajikistan and uh, Uzbekistan and so on, they've become separate countries without uh, a war having produced it. So, rise and fall, yes, well, China's rising, and uh, uh, we don't know how the rise, will the rise just slow down? It's certain to slow down economically, but now they are strong militarily too, especially the Navy. How it will end, Tom, in my view, even Xi Jinping himself doesn't know. He's got a lot of problems. He's taking a lot of risks. He's got this Belt and Road that he calls it, which is really a sort of version of Chinese imperialism. Belt and Road, and he's stretching all the countries he can into a Chinese-led development. Uh, even Serbia in in Europe is is in the Belt and Road. It's a, it's an absurd concept. Little Samoa and other Australian neighbours in the South Pacific, far from China, they've drawn Samoa into the Belt and Road. Well, there are many belts and there are many roads in the world and China can't uh, declare that she's the boss of of a, a vague notion called Belt and Road. So uh, they're taking some risks, and uh, once again, I, I, I think it's not clear whether the rise will continue fast, whether it will slow down, or whether it might uh, come to an end. Ross, over the last couple decades, uh, people have been fearing that China would end up being the number one economy in the world. And the as they move toward that, is that a goal of China or just the natural um, path of growing economies? Both. But whether it happens... And it may, it's not certain to happen. But if it does happen, it will be partly because uh, we've been uh, shooting ourselves in the foot, uh, to use a, a Chinese term. If, if we, we should emphasize two things in our policy toward China. Our interests, and our interests include being strong economically and our will the the will to be number one a lot of Americans especially intellectuals they don't like this idea they're so critical of uh, history and everything else they've lost the, the will that needs to be present if we're going to keep ahead and, and be number one. I think it should be our aim. I th George W. Bush, uh, in his military reports, he, he uh, stated 
the Pentagon under George W. Bush stated that America must uh, uh, preserve its position as military number one. How much of uh, how much modernization has occurred in China? Tremendous. The, the, because we I still to, we uh, still see pictures, Ross, of China as as being almost all farming, and I I I just sense that there's a different China that we we don't see. Well, it's true. Your point is very good because the visitors to China, ninety uh, percent of them, don't go to the Chinese countryside. However, the countryside has shrunk because the demand for labor in the coastal areas where manufacturing became the powerhouse for China's progress through exports. And we took a lot of exports. Japan did, Australia did. Uh, Australia buys copper, iron ore, uh, uranium, from uh, from China, so the the manufacturing area took labour, and farmers left the farms in big numbers to go to the coast and work, and they'd send back money to the f- relatives in the farms. The result is China's roughly now about fifty fifty. Fifty percent are still in farming, and fifty percent are in in cities and towns. This is a this is a big change in China. Now, the skyscrapers are all uh, on the coast in Shanghai and southern China, and it's it's real, and the bullet trains are real, and the, the the highways and the the taste in automobiles now in China. Everyone wants a car. And <laughs> so if you're in Beijing, you can't drive your car every day because the roads can't take it. So you have to have two days where you're not allowed to drive your car. And everyone knows their days. And there'll be more and more of this. And it's not easy, this kind of, you call it, modernization. Beijing can be swathed in smog at times. You can't see two blocks in the city, and they're wearing masks, not because of coronavirus, but because of the smog, or a bit of both. Let's um, talk about that for for just a moment, Ross, the, the coronavirus and some of the misconceptions that people in the U.S. have about where it came from, whether it was leaked from a lab, whether it was part of a a wet market um, exposure. What what is your sense of of what happened? Well, I don't know the medical facts. I do know the political facts about China, Inc., that we spoke of a moment ago. And China Inc. means that all the research in Wuhan about viruses, and it's considerable, uh, is is under the control of 
the Communist Party and they will uh, release what they want to release and they will withhold what they wish to withhold. The virus certainly emerged from the Wuhan area and uh, whether it was through the, the wild animals which people eat and buy them in the markets, they're killed on the spot and take them home and grill them. That has caused uh, many epidemics in, in China, old and, and new. But uh, in my think? opinion, Xi Jinping should say in a major speech, if it's the truth, that... Uh, China doesn't know 100% either which of these is true, but it's possible that it was an accident in the Wuhan laboratories. If he said that, uh, saying that it was possible, I think a lot of the pressure on China and uh, Biden's futile attempt to appoint a committee that will come up with nothing conclusive I think that that would be better for everyone, but it's risky for him to say that it's possible. Of course, he would rule out that it was intentional, but that an accident in the lab, in the lab is possible, as it is. But China says it's not, and they want to blame America... Uh, for sending frozen food to China with a virus in it. I mean, this is this is very damning way of showing they're nervous about it. And and about that nervousness in PR, you talk about the uh, Tiananmen Square massacre and 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 the empty streets following that. Um, that event really shocked the world was there was there a reaction was there a reaction from the leadership in china about the bad pr that that created around the world they took a deep breath they lived with it they kept their mouths shut for a while and Deng Xiaoping, who was still in charge, he had the wisdom to not move further left, but to move to the right, and uh, to have more markets, more opening up. And that helped to the Chinese to limit the number of years they needed to recover from that. Uh, but it's it's amazing now that Xi Jinping thinks that it wasn't such a big deal, and their their method has been to recover from it by stressing economic progress and betting that the people w- will settle for a, a good uh, full stomach and gadgets in the <laughs> kitchen, and of course. It's it. There's truth in it too, and but but uh, economic growth 
has to go on. If it if it slows down, people get discontented. So it's a tightrope of its own. But the the nineteen eighty nine mood of uh, students on the march and intellectuals wanting more freedom, uh, that's gone. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Social distance. Don't go to work. I wear a mask and gloves. Stay away from church. I avoid old folks. And should I sneeze, I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart, that is the rule. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, and I'm sick of what I see. Two more weeks of quarantine. Death of me, death of me. I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy a TV and a few things more. But when I get there, all I can find is sixteen honey buns. And some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors Cause I'm sick of what I see So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized. 
as soon as I regain consciousness. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org. 
or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. My guest is Ross Terrell, and he uh, has a new memoir called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. And... Ross, um, a, a couple of things. One, one last thing about uh, the the coronavirus, um, because of of speculation and and probably some misinformation as well, that was promoted in the U.S. A lot of people uh, th- there have been attacks on Asian Americans. Um, uh, uh, well, the, 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 that's been exaggerated by part of the media. The, there was still, there is still no evidence that the that the nasty man in Atlanta uh, killed those ladies because they were Asians. The media suggested, and then the other part of the media take a suggestion as a likelihood, and after a week they've all concluded it was a certainty that his animosity was toward Asians. The evidence has never been there. That's why they stopped talking about that that uh, that wretched uh, man. No, the, my Chinese American friends, my Asian American friends in Boston, uh, around this great country, they they know they're not. Uh, discriminated against or made special targets. I mean, anyone who is different uh, can be a target. Well, uh, we've, we've people seen hear it. my Australian accent. I mean, oh, <laughs> where's he from, you know? And, and uh, black people uh, have certainly experienced this, and, and uh, Japanese are mocked for speaking English in a strange way. You, you can't eliminate discrimination from human life, but the Asian Americans are relatively well off. Ross, this uh, new book, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, is uh, a memoir for you. And, and I guess um, I'm wondering if, if you have a favorite anecdote. I, I suppose all of the anecdotes are favorites, and that's how they made it into the book, but but do a couple stand out to you? Well, when I met the Premier, Joe Lai, this is back in the 70s in the Nixon-Kissinger period, uh, I spoke to him in Chinese and he, he laughed and he said, where did you learn to speak Chinese, and I said to the Prime Minister, uh, in America, and Joe and I laughed again, and he said, uh, that's wonderful, an Australian comes to Harvard and learns Chinese there, 
And several <laughs> times he, through the evening, he thought this was kind of amusing, or maybe he thought it's impressive. This is this is some kind of globalization before its time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, um, Ross. We're we're almost out of time, but yeah, I've got to I've got to leave in a minute too, Tom. Um, uh, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and and what we've been talking about. But, but well, they should they should buy my book. It's an well, ebook or it's a paperback. But in either way, it's easy easy to get it online. You uh, put it on your Kindle. Uh, the bookshops are in a bad way in this country, as everyone knows, sure. and many other uh, shops, and some of them are closing. So online is is the best way to buy it. Is there? Do you have a, a website where? People could find do. out more about you I and your do. work. I do. dot com. That's R O S S T E R R I L L dot com. Well, Ross, thank you so much for sharing your time with uh, me and the listeners this morning. It's uh, been an honor. It's been a privilege. pleasure, and you, your questions and your thoughts. Uh, are very interesting, and I think they will be to your listeners as well. Well, take care, Ross, and keep up the you good too. work. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was uh, Ross Terrell. Um, he is an associate in research at Harvard's Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies and the author of 11 books on China and now has uh, a memoir. His new book is uh, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you really think you can get away with this? Well, Pierre, I've uh, been criticized in the newspapers for the big parties and the uh, state dinners. Now we've got to cut down and economy starts at home. All right, if you say so. Oh, here they are. All right, uh, gentlemen, uh, let us be seated. Uh, Mr. Adenauer, if uh, you will sit uh, next to your uh, friend, Mr. de Gaulle. And uh, Mr. Castro, if you will sit here next to your friend, Mr. Khrushchev. Mr. Nasha, if you will sit here next to uh, Mr. Ben-Gurion. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Nkrumah. If you will sit in between Mr. Ben-Gurion and Mr. Nasha, then uh, you can uh, turn either way. Now, uh, Mr. Uh, Shankai Shek, would you uh, please uh, sit there beside Mr. Khrushchev? Oh, good. Now, uh, before we get down to the business at hand, I think lunch would be in order. Now, I thought that instead of the uh, formal food we usually serve here, that we would have a uh, typical American uh, businessman's lunch. So I'm going to send down to the delicatessen store for uh, some sandwiches. Well, how does that uh, how does that strike you, gentlemen? Uh, Mr. Khrushchev, Mr. Khrushchev, would you, uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but would you mind uh, just taking your shoe off the table? Now, I think uh, I'll have a uh, peanut butter and jelly on whole wheat with a uh, side order of a coleslaw and a hot fudge uh, sundae. Uh, Mr. De Gaulle? Yuck. I would like to have dove under glass. 
Well, I'm uh, sorry, General, but uh, we're only having sandwiches today. Then uh, could I have a dove on the glass sandwich? <laughs> All right, uh, Pierre, a chicken salad on white for the General. Uh, Mr. Uh, Sh- Shankai Shek. A uh, club sandwich would be fine. Thank you so much. Would you like it with a, a little mayo? Please, not to mention that name. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Mr. Uh, Nasser. I'll have a hot pastrami sandwich. I can never get it at home. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of bread? White toast with lettuce and uh, mayonnaise. Uh, Mr. Nasser. What do you want, Ben-Gurion? Look, I, I know we don't get along. You never listen to me. Now you're fooling around with rockets. But this time, please listen. Pastrami don't go with white bread and lettuce and mayonnaise. <laughs> Have that on rye bread with mustard and a glass tea. You'll enjoy. I think that, uh, I think that Mr. Uh, Ben-Gurion has a point there. All right. All right I'll, I'll take a chance. Good boy. And if you like pastrami, next time you're in my neighborhood, drop into the house. My wife makes like a filter fish. It melts in your mouth. We'll have to get together, Mr. Ben-Gurion. My name is Ben-Gurion. You can call me Ben. My name is Abdul Nasser. You can call me Abe. Good. Now, uh, fine. Mr. Uh, Mr. Khrushchev. Oh, you don't have to order special for me. I'll have a bite of everybody else's. All right, uh, Mr. Uh, Adenauer. You have one sandwich here in America I love. I have a Western sandwich. If Adenauer has a Western sandwich, then I'll have an Eastern sandwich. There is uh, no Eastern sandwich. Then I want the Eastern portion of his Western sandwich. (laughs) I'm I'm sure sure we can uh, negotiate on that subject. Uh, Mr. Castro. No pregunte que su patria puede hacer para usted. Pero pregunte que usted puede hacer para su patria. I have a chicken sandwich with a live chicken. Well, uh, well that leaves uh, Mr. N. Krumer. What will you have, sir? I'll have some watermelon. Don't put me on, Mr. Nagrumer. <laughs> and egg sandwich and a coke and I guess a bowl of borscht okay okay uh, Pierre uh, put the rush on it gentlemen that was a uh, pleasant lunch now uh, under discussion today will be a nuclear disarmament followed by the UN bond issue and a uh, matter of the trade agreements now first there is a most important matter to settle uh, Mr. Gall, yours was the chicken salad and coffee. That's a dollar forty. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
two pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.